0: We're continuing our a series that we've been doing for several weeks now. Uh, it's sermons that are inspired by or related to songs that we'd sing. And I want us to spend a, a few minutes tonight talking together about the idea of courage. We probably all know that in the first few centuries of the church's existence, Christians often faced persecution. Some of them were beheaded, some were burned at the stake, some were literally fed to animals in the arena. Being a Christian took a great deal of courage, open, obvious, observable courage. And that's primarily because this fate would have been something that was easy to escape. I think a lot of us have this misconception that there was a a systematic effort on the part of the Roman Empire to seek out and destroy Christianity. But that wasn't actually the case. We don't have any record of any empire-wide, organized persecution of the church until the middle of the third century, so over 200 years without that. Now, I don't want to give you the wrong idea on the other hand that the empire was exactly friendly to the church. That's not the case. But persecution was local. It was spasmodic. It was a a crime for you to carry the name Christian, but nobody was trying to ferret out Christians. You had to be brought up on charges by someone and then they would examine you. But you see, the point of this is to avoid death All you had to do was to renounce your faith in Christ. That's it. There was no other investigation. The second century governor of Bithynia, a fellow named Pliny, we have a lot of his correspondence, and he actually details in a letter with the emperor Trajan his method for investigating Christians. And if anyone was accused, he would bring them in, and he would try to get them to offer incense to the emperor, and to curse Christ. And if they did that, then you knew they weren't a Christian, and they could go free. But Christians didn't do that. They were willing to face death rather than to deny their Lord. Because of their great faith, their great courage, they voluntarily accepted death. And, of course, we know that the scriptures tell us about some of the faith and the courage of these earliest Christians. Now, we're at an even earlier period uh, than Pliny's time, and the primary persecutors in the earliest days of the church would have been Jews. But we know about the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Then there's James, the first of the apostles to be put to death, Acts chapter 12. In fact, if tradition is accurate, All of the apostles, except John, died a violent death. They were executed because of their faith. And even when it didn't ultimately lead to death, living for Jesus was still a dangerous thing that required a great deal of courage. Uh, The apostle Paul gives us a summary of the hardships he faced. This is in 2 Corinthians 11, and this is probably familiar to most of us. He writes there, beginning in verse number in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. It took a great deal of courage for Paul to accept that sort of life and all of those trials that he endured. Later on, he would write to the young preacher Timothy and tell him that all of those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, none of us here in this room tonight is likely to be martyred, and we should thank God for that, because uh, to be frank, there are still some places in this world where that's not the case. You could be killed for being a Christian. But even with that said, if we live faithfully today, will we face persecution? Does it take courage to be a Christian? I think so. We're not likely to be beheaded or burned at the stake or fed to the lions. But I know that each and every one of us is going to be subject to strong, to powerful pressures. Sometimes these might even take the form of persecutions, and and we could think of them all that way in a sense. And we need to be wary of these pressures that we face because, in a way, they're even more dangerous than those persecutions that the earliest Christians face. And that's because they're less obvious. They're insidious. Think about it this way. If God forbid someone came in here tonight and this sort of thing can happen we know this can happen in our society unfortunately but if some madman were to come in here tonight with a gun and he were to threaten any of you here and he would tell you to renounce Jesus or you were going to die I don't have any doubt that no one here would do that I don't think anyone here would renounce the Lord be willing to die and yet How often do we denounce Him through our actions? Through the ways that we live our life, day in and day out, the pressures that we face. How often are we just like the rest of the world? Because we don't have the courage of our convictions. What we need is quiet courage. We're all aware that life places a great deal of pressure upon us. There's social pressure. We talk a lot of times about teenagers being subject to peer pressure, and we know that because of that stage in their life when they're uh, worried about being popular and they're testing their limits and they haven't really figured out who they are necessarily yet, that they're more susceptible, susceptible to it than others. But you also know, if you live any longer than that, that teenagers aren't the only ones who deal with that sort of pressure, are they? We all face the pressure to just go along and do what everyone else is doing. And it takes a great deal of courage to stand out from the crowd, to walk in the other direction when everyone else is walking this way. We face economic pressures at times. When your job is on the line, it's easy to compromise we find ourselves at times maybe making a lot of little small compromises to continue to live the way that we're accustomed to live. And those are external pressures. They're also internal pressures that we know each and every one of us face. Scripture talks about these. It talks about these drives as lust of the flesh. And we all have certain ones that we struggle with. And it takes courage to curb these basic human desires. Especially when we live in a society and this is where we have external pressure again We live in a society that encourages us to go ahead and indulge in whatever we want In fact, it, it celebrates some of those things. It glorifies them So these aren't as spectacular as the persecutions that the early Christians face, but they're no less real They're no less powerful And it requires courage for us to face them. There's a need for quiet courage when everyone around us, our society, our culture, is engaged in sin, and they celebrate it. It's unrealistic for us to deny that sin is appealing. There's momentary, fleeting pleasure in it. The Hebrews writer talks about that in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse number 25. He's discussing Moses' situation there. And he says that sin there is fleeting, its pleasures are, are only temporary, and thankfully Moses had the foresight to see that. He chose to identify himself with God's people, to suffer affliction with them, the writer says, rather to, than to enjoy those pleasures of sin in Egypt for a season. Moses had the courage to have the long view of things. The same story, in essence, is told in Genesis chapter 39. You'll remember this one. This is the story of Joseph and his master's wife, his master Potiphar. His wife was attempting to seduce him, and day by day by day, she was after him, pressuring him. And this would have been an easy thing for him to get away with. This was his master's wife. It probably could have been covered up. In fact, he probably would have received a place of honor if he would have given in. And in fact, he ends up in prison. It was a lot riskier for him to deny her advances. And yet, Joseph showed the courage to do what was right. Another great example is Daniel. Maybe this is one that we've forgotten. I'm not talking here about the spectacular example of Daniel in the lion's den. That's a great deal of courage there. But what about in Daniel chapter 1, when... All of those young Jewish boys are pressured to eat the food that's placed before them at the king's table. And a lot of it is unlawful for them to eat as Jews. Now, that's a pretty minor thing. It would have been pretty easy to go along with that. And what we see is that most of them did. Well, you know, it's just food, no big deal. But Daniel had the courage to stand up and say, No, we're not going to eat this because God has forbidden it. Moses, Joseph, Daniel, there are others that we could name who displayed this type of courage that's needed in our time to face these everyday temptations. Courage is needed when others around us compromise their convictions. I read a story, this happened several years ago, but I I read a story, this occurred in Kansas City. There was a regular meeting of a group of business people there And they'd get together to discuss Christian principles. And on one occasion, they were discussing the book In His Steps. Some of you may be familiar with that. It's by Charles Sheldon. It was written in the late 19th century, sold millions of copies. It's the book that actually coined the phrase, What Would Jesus Do? And that's what they were discussing. What would Jesus do if he were in my place? Trying to apply it to their everyday lives. And one CPA there... Went in after this discussion and he resigned his job with no other prospects ended up taking a job with a lot less pay And it was because his employer was pressuring him to cook the books to do what was dishonest So courage will quietly tell the truth When those around us are pressuring us to play fast and loose with the facts It takes courage to be faithful just in living our daily Christian lives. I, I don't want to imply that by any means that this is the sum total of what it means to be faithful, all right? But when it comes to things like church attendance, Bible study, our prayer lives, it's a lot easier to just not be active in that, isn't it? I mean, look around tonight. We have 150-ish here every Sunday morning. And we typically have the same 50-ish people here every Sunday night. Why is that? Well, because it takes the courage of your convictions to go ahead and dedicate yourself to this. You know it's important to be here for a variety of reasons. And it's easier, frankly, not to, to make excuses, to stay in. Just to be faithful in those basic elements of the Christian faith requires courage and of course courage is involved in facing disappointments in life. Disappointments come to all of us and they come in a variety of different forms. It might be health problems that we're facing. It might be some sort of incurable disease that we have. I don't think I've ever used this As an example, I might get in trouble for it, but uh, (laughs) Abby has an incurable disease. It's not fatal, but oftentimes it makes her life miserable. In fact, this morning, she wasn't feeling well at all. And we've talked about this before. Sometimes it's easy to say, why me? All these complications, why does this keep happening to me? It takes courage to face that day in and day out. Or it might just be the inevitable loss of health, the decline that every one of us experiences as we get older. It takes courage to face that you simply can't do the things that you used to be able to do. Or maybe your mind's just not quite as sharp as it used to be. In the face of the loss of a loved one, there's a call for quiet courage. We've probably all been in a place where there's that temptation to give up when we've lost someone close to us. But, of course, God wants us to continue to go on and to live and to work. We might have lost our job or our possessions through flood or fire or some other sort of disaster. And it takes courage to face having to start over and to rebuild everything. Or when we failed... In some way, we talked about those pressures that we faced externally, internally. Well, we don't always meet those successfully, do we? We've all failed in the past. Some of us may be failing right now. And you know what? We're going to fail again in the future. It takes courage to acknowledge that, but then to pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and to continue on to try to struggle to do better. And you know, there are some of those things that we don't even ever talk about. Maybe we can't talk about. And no one will ever know that some of the most courageous battles are the ones that we fight alone that no one else ever sees. We could multiply this. All of these situations in life where courage is desperately needed. Where do we find it? How do we find the strength and the courage to carry on? I wanna answer that question by telling you a story about a courageous songwriter. His name was Thomas A. Dorsey, not to be confused with Tommy Dorsey, who was the big band leader. This Thomas Dorsey was born in 1899 in rural Georgia. He was the son of a black preacher. And when he was 11 years old, the family moved to Atlanta and young Thomas fell absolutely in love with the blues. He started playing piano in a vaudeville theater. A few years later, the family moved up to Chicago. He ended up attending school up there at the College of Composition and Arranging. And pretty soon, he was performing on stage under the name Georgia Tom. He was, uh, well, he played piano in one of Al Capone's speakeasies. This is during Prohibition. Uh, He led jazz bands. But in 1921, he decided to give all of that up. He was tired of that lifestyle. And instead, he wanted to write gospel songs. It was discouraging at first. He borrowed $5 and sent out 500 copies of a song that he'd written, If You See My Savior, to churches all throughout the country. And in three years, he received exactly zero orders for that song. He was tempted to to give up. He almost went back to playing the blues. But ultimately he didn't. He ended up becoming known and successful. He was able to to build a life for himself in gospel music. In 1932, August of 32, he was leading music in St. Louis. When out of the blue he received an urgent telegram with the worst news you can imagine. Your wife has died. He rushed to a phone. He called home, and all he could get on the other end was a frantic voice just saying over and over, Nettie's dead. Nettie's dead. A friend drove him all the way through the night back to Chicago. And on arriving, he learned that that wasn't the whole story. His baby boy had also died. It was in childbirth. You see, and mother and baby, neither of them survived. He felt that God had done him an injustice. He didn't want to serve God anymore. He certainly didn't want to write gospel songs anymore. But then the very next day, he was sitting in a friend's music room. And he felt a sudden calmness, stillness. And it inspired him then and there to write the song that I want us to sing now. Take my hand, precious Lord. When our way grows drear, when the storm clouds gather, when the night closes in, when we're weary and when we're warm, God gives us the strength and the courage to carry on. Remember the Scripture that was read just a few minutes ago from Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, "Be strong and courageous, because we know that the Lord will not forsake us. If you're here this evening, you need to turn or to return to him. I want to urge you to take the opportunity you have to do that. Now, while we stand and while we sing,